Welcome to The Money Spot, the show where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katsonga Woodward, and in this week's episode, we have a question from Wendy. Hi, Heather. My name is Wendy. I'm a support worker and earn about £1,600. I struggle to make savings due to all my commitments, but I desire to start no matter how small. Please advise. Thanks for this question, Wendy. Apologies if my voice sounds a little bit husky. I think I might be coming down with a cold, but whatevs. Rather than talking about all the different ways you can save, I thought I'd tackle your question by talking about nine of the top mistakes that people make with money. And I'll add that you haven't given me any extra details about your life, like whether you're married or not, how old you are, and whether or not you have kids. So some of these things might not apply to you. I would say to anyone that sends me questions, the more detail you give me, the more customized my answer will be. So it's really helpful if you just give me some idea of where you're at with your life. But no worries, I think this is a great question because it actually gave me leeway with how I answer it. So what are the nine most common mistakes that people make with money? Firstly, not believing you can achieve financial independence. If you don't believe, you don't bother. If you don't bother, you're less likely to achieve the financial independence that you want. Wealth is very rarely ever an accident. And when it is an accident, like when you win the lottery, without having pre-planned how that money will be spent, you usually lose it. According to CNBC.com, which is a US site, lottery winners are more likely to declare bankruptcy within three to five years than the average American. This result isn't going to be very different for the average British person. I mean, easy come, easy go. If there is one story that's very popular, it's about how winning the lottery actually, how it actually ends up ruining people's lives. So the fact that you already believe that you can save is a great start. The second money mistake people very frequently make is not thinking about money at all. You don't want to overdo thinking about money, but it is important to think about it at least a few times a year to make sure you don't get to retirement age and realize you're done working, or worse, that your body's done working, but you just don't have the resources to stop working. Sometimes I'm in the supermarket and I see someone who's very old, stacking shelves or working at the checkout counter, and I often think, are they doing this because it gets them out of the house, or are they doing this because they need to eat without this job? They either won't be able to heat their home or buy food. And that second thought really scares me. I'm like, whatever you do, Heather, plan your life such that you don't need to work when you're old. And I really enjoy going to the gym and seeing people that have planned for their life. They're not wealthy in any sort of uh, way, but they're very comfortable and they can afford to live their retirement doing things like going for walks with the rambling groups every week, swimming every morning, leisure activities, not stressful activities. And that's what you want for your life. And thinking about money at least forces you to make some sort of a plan. And it's not just people in hard jobs that 
might need to stop working. Even people in desk jobs, at some point your eyes might say, you know what, I'm tired of looking at computer screens. Give me a break. I can't deal with this anymore. Let's go out and do outdoors activities. Or maybe sitting might become a strain and you might have back issues. And even with stand-up desks, your back issues might not like the fact that you're standing all in one spot all of the time. So I'll think about money at least every once in a while and try to work through your financial profile to see where you can make changes to save and ultimately to invest so that you are where you want to be in your 50s and your 60s. Money mistake number three is not talking about money or at least reading about money. A lot of the things I have learned about money come from people I just chat with and even more come from reading random books on money. I've had tips shared with me on what to invest in, what to read, what to watch, how to save money on this and that and so forth. And if you want something to read that will inspire you, I'd recommend two classics. The Richest Man in Babylon by George Classen and The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley and William Danko. I read both of these within a couple of years of graduating from university, which is about 15 years ago this year, and I still feel inspired by these books today. They're really good for just giving you a a framework of thinking about money and a framework of what type of people actually end up succeeding with their money. And it might surprise you to, to see it's not the celebrities and it's not even the lawyers and the doctors that are kicking ass. Get The Millionaire Next Door as soon as you can and get inspired. Money mistake number four is not getting a will. If you have anyone that depends on you to survive, you need a will, period. This is especially important if you have children under 18 and it's amplified if you're not married but you are in a relationship and possibly in a relationship to a man that isn't the father of your children. If you have a will, then people will know exactly what needs to be done with your finances. And things can go wrong in very unexpected ways if you haven't planned by putting a will in place. Personally, I got a will when I first had a child. I didn't have one before that because I was like, no one really depends on me. But as soon as we had children, or I think it was within a year of having a child, my husband and I got a will so that our wishes are extremely clear. Money mistake number five is not getting life insurance. Again, if you have anyone that depends on you to survive, you need life insurance. I went on to moneysupermarket.com for you to work out what the cost of £250,000, that's quarter of a million pounds, of level term insurance for 25 years costs for a 40-year-old who is healthy but overweight and is a support worker. Level term insurance means that that insurance payout will be flat whether you die within a year or in 25 years time. It falls away after 25 years and you don't get anything if you're still alive. And I put overweight because I'm overweight. I am at a body mass index of about, I don't know, I haven't checked it in ages, but it's between 27 and 30. So I was just interested to know what it looks like. But if you have life insurance of a quarter of a million pounds, The cost was only £19 from a reputable insurer like AIG. So it's definitely worth looking into. 
Money mistake number six is not getting critical illness cover on your main home. The most shocking thing about getting seriously ill is that absolutely no one ever expects it to be them. No one. That's why it's such a good idea to have critical illness cover. Most people get enough cover to just cover the cost of paying off their home if they get critically ill. And to keep the price low, they get what's called decreasing term cover. So for life insurance, I talked about level term cover, which stays the same throughout the life of that cover. But with decreasing term cover, the amount of insurance money you get falls over time, just as your mortgage would. It makes the cover much more affordable because people are just much more likely to get critically ill than they are to die. I'll give you a simple example of someone in my social circle who got a completely fluke illness. It was so shocking. She went to travel for work. She's a doctor to an Asian country. She wasn't feeling 100%, but it was nothing abnormal. On her return from that trip at the airport, she told her husband, you know what? My leg is so completely painful right now. I've basically just been forcing myself through these three days. She was away from the UK for just three days. He took her to the hospital. They did blood tests. She was in critical intensive care for about three months in and out. And if she'd had critical illness cover, and actually I'm not really sure if she did or if she didn't, she just told me I'll check and she never confirmed, that money would have paid out because she had been in the intensive care unit long enough for that money to pay out. And on some of the days, her life was hit and miss. And then she got some grafting they'd had to operate on her leg i don't even know what her illness was but basically there was problems with her blood there were issues with the muscle and a surgery had to happen pretty quickly and they had to take skin from other parts of her body to cover her leg it was so scary but it just made me realize that illness comes when you least expect it and if you have critical illness cover you are going to be in a much better off situation because her husband had to kind of support the family for the three months she wasn't working. I think her job still paid up, but there was a point where they actually stopped paying. And if they'd had the fortune of having the house completely paid off, the pressure would have been a lot less on him. Money mistake number seven is not tackling debt. Debt increases your risk of ruin. Risk of ruin is a concept from the fields of gambling, insurance, and finance. And it basically relates to the likelihood that someone will lose all of their investment capital. For general life, I use risk of ruin to mean that you end up in extreme financial problems. A few financial setbacks can lead to you not having the money to pay bills, credit cards and loans. And obviously, the more debts you have, the higher the chance that even small setbacks will send your financial life tumbling down. If you have debts, it's a good idea to get rid of them and never get back into debt again, if you can help it. If you can avoid credit cards, your chances of accumulating debt will fall. Although credit cards can build up points and travel miles and save you money here and there, the fact is the biggest thing that they build up is long-term, excruciatingly expensive debt. They're debt traps. They can catch out even the smartest of people, and they often do. And even for people who pay off the full credit card at the end of the month, a lot of analysis shows that when you spend on a credit card, you end up spending 12% more than you actually would have if you weren't spending on the credit card and were spending on something that would show 
the money in your life decreasing quite quickly, like a debit card or even better cash. So I don't have a credit card myself and people might not like my stance on credit cards, but it is what it is. Money mistake number eight is not buying a home. I think this is the biggest mistake you can make, the biggest. Rent or mortgage payments are typically people's largest expense. If you can wipe this cost away, then you need so much less money to live in old age or whenever you've wiped the mortgage off. I have one story here about a friend in my social circle who wasn't on the property ladder. And I was basically, you know, randomly giving her tips on how she can get onto the property ladder. And I told her she can get her mom to remortgage her house, give her a bit of the capital, and she could repay her mom back over time. I did this whole elaborate plan for her. And she was like, oh, Heather, this is such a lovely, lovely plan. It's so lovely that I'm actually feeling so bad that I have to tell you that my mom doesn't own her home. And I was shocked. You know why? Because her mom had lived in a house for 25 to 30 years. And when she'd moved into that house, it was much less than a hundred thousand pounds. I think that house was like probably 60 to 80,000 pounds at the time she moved in, in cost. It was a council property and she's been living in it throughout this whole right to buy era where you can buy a house off your council, local authority at a reduced rate. And at the time I was telling my friend to get her mom to remortgage the property, that property was worth £450,000 or so. And it might have looked expensive for her mom to buy that house when she was paying so little rent to her local authority. But fact is, she likely would have paid that mortgage off completely bought it at less than 100k at the time she bought it and should now own an asset of close to half a million pounds and this asset would form her only child's inheritance. I mean, I was shocked and I'm still shocked because this woman is still paying rent today and living off of her mom's example, her daughter hasn't bothered to buy and is paying rent and will probably do so for the rest of her life. The state pension in the UK is 500 to 600 pounds a month. And for those that have two state pensions coming in because they're married or in a relationship, if you've cleared your mortgage, you can actually live comfortably off of that state pension. Just the state pension would be enough to pay your bills, to pay your food. And because you don't have rental mortgage, you don't have the worry of that. You probably wouldn't afford any lavish holidays, but being able to survive is a great achievement in itself. So don't make the mistake of not buying a home. Your first most ideal goal is to get out of debt and to buy a home so that you can be secure, at least in knowing that you always have a roof over your head. Now, money mistake number nine is not investing in yourself. Investing in yourself is about getting the qualifications and the type of experience that will lead to higher paid opportunities. So Good experiences and good qualifications will make your CV stand out so you get a good job. If you think you don't have the money to pay for education, look out for grants. I decided to check out the cost of taking a degree course at the Open University because I knew their courses are more affordable. And it looks like a degree taken part-time over six years would cost about £6,000 in total across those six years. So that's just about £1,000 a year. And that's five times cheaper 
than the £28,000 that students now pay for a three-year degree from a regular university. Look at whether this is affordable for you. I know your income is just £1,600 a month, but on the Open University website, it also said, if your personal income is £25,000 or less, or you're on certain benefits, you could qualify for the part-time fee grant and funding to cover 100% of your course fees. And you are under this threshold. Definitely look into how you can improve your CV, Wendy, to move up the food chain in the job market. Last but not least, I decided to look into what support workers earn to see what a career path in support work looks like. In one Google search, I found the following support worker salary statistics on adzuna.co.uk. These were the live stats on 1 February 2020 from Adzuna's database of over 1 million job ads. And if you look at the resources on this episode of this podcast, you'll find a link to the blog post that will take you straight to Adzuna. So the average support worker salary is apparently just over £21,000, and this is 40% below the national average advertised salary on Adzuna of £35,000. After tax, this salary would amount to just under £1,500, assuming no pension deductions. And as you said, you earn about 1600 a month. If that number of 1600 is after tax, you're earning just above the average for support workers. According to Adzuna, the top companies hiring for support worker roles are Voyage Care, Mencap, and Shaw Healthcare. So you can look directly at their websites for jobs. And meanwhile, the number of support worker job ads is 1.7% higher than last year, with about 25,500 current vacancies. So there are quite a lot of jobs available in your field. And in the last 24 hours, when I collected this information, Adzuna had added 2,500 new support worker job ads. And apparently most support worker job ads are for social work jobs and healthcare and nursing jobs. Year on year, pay for support worker jobs had gone down 1.1%. And this was more than the annual fall of 0.4% for all jobs. And the salary varied a lot from area to area. The average in Newbury was 28,500 based on 67 jobs. And the average in Carefilly County, no idea where that is, was £54,000 based on 51 jobs. Wendy, have you thought about moving areas? This is a huge difference in earnings. It's the difference between struggling to pay off debt and saving really well. Go to Azuna Salary Stats Center and study your profession. Just go to the links in the resources to this episode and you can go straight there. So, I've done a lot of talking, so let's summarize what the nine money mistakes a lot of people make are. One, not believing you can achieve financial independence. Two, not thinking about money. Three, not talking about money or at least reading about money. Four, not getting a will in place. Five, not getting life insurance in place. Six, not getting critical illness cover on your main home. Seven, not tackling debt strategically to pay it off completely 
within a short period of time. Eight, not buying a home. Nine, not investing in themselves. I really enjoyed answering this question, Wendy. Thanks for asking. And if you've got any more issues, get in touch. Thanks for listening. If you want to ask me a question, read my blogs, or support this show in any way, please type themoneyspot.co.uk into your address bar and you'll be redirected to my personal website.